Hi, I'm Paul, the Ripples Guy. Welcome to the Ripples Podcast, where we share quick splashes of inspiration and explore how even our smallest actions can have an ongoing impact on our lives, the people we connect with, and the whole world. Are you in? I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you enjoy today. Hello, Patreon peeps. You rock peeps. We got to get used to our new name. I'm going to put us on spotlight so that I'm the recording. I am so excited to be with you for our February pep talk and continued exploration around goal setting. I'm excited to welcome uh, some regulars who have been coming to these for a year and a half. I'm excited to have some first time people in the room here and As always, it is so cool when people can't join us live that they watch the recording. And I'm going to try to remember that we're also going to put the audio up um, on the podcast. So if you're listening to us there and I'm not describing the visuals, let me know that. Reach out to me. Google me, the Ripples guy, and let me know that. And we will get um, to work on that. We have a full schedule. So let's start with a centering activity that is one. I don't know if Kathy is on the line today. This is a favorite of Kathy's and we haven't done it in a while. And it's called the universal greeting. And it was something I picked up early on in my work. I think I was working at UW-Madison and somebody uh, handed us this handout and taught us the universal greeting. I haven't found it since. I can't even Googling it doesn't it come there. There's something called a universal greeting on some animated show. And this isn't that I will put a link to the handout that I have that I scanned in, but it just, it's a series of hand gestures. And I'm going to invite you to do this with me. Um, And the first one is I offer you peace and I offer you friendship and I offer you love. I hear your needs. I see your beauty. I feel your feelings. My wisdom flows from a higher source and I salute that source in you. And finally, the handout says we're supposed to say, let's work together. I adapted it to something my uh, boyfriend's family says at holidays. It's good to be together. And that's our universal greeting to get us centered and grounded so that we can be together here. The pebble that I want to share with you today is actually something I'm going to be using to help keep me on track. And it is a, um, it's called Horo Timer for Menu Bar. And I double checked to make sure A free version is available for Mac users and for Windows users. I'm putting a link in the the chat. And I want to tell you very quickly, I've tried a whole bunch of timers when I started Zoomy Zooming and was trying to keep track of time. Sometimes my phone um, is fantastic and other what times it was getting and it wasn't smooth. And I wanted to have a timer that was right in my computer. And I tried a whole bunch and stumbled upon Horo Timer, which I'm really liking. It puts um, in your uh, menu bar up here. Actually, mine, I accidentally shut it um, because I 
I uh, restarted my computer. Um, it puts in your menu bar when you start it a little timer. And what I really like about it, when you go up to it, you can type in, if you're wanting an alarm, you can type in at 9.30 a.m. and it sets an alarm. You can type 30M and it'll set a timer for 30 minutes. You can type 20S and it'll count down 20 seconds. So instead of you having to go through a whole bunch of menus, um, and I'm just starting a, actually, let me clear that and make it a 25 minute timer that will then make sure that I'm wrapping up at the time that we're supposed to. So it has a free version. If I try with things like this, if it's something I use, I upgraded to the paid one, not because I wanted the extra sounds and a couple extra features, but just to support the developers. That's the pebble. The boulder, very excited. Aaron Dean Olver, I see that you're here today and you may actually remember these. I used them in the presentation in 1994 when you had me present in Upper Carson Gully when you were an undergrad student. <laughs> now you're all grown up. Um, Mark Pocan, if you live in Madison, you might know the name Mark Pocan as a, a congressman. He used to run us, I don't think it's still there, a little sign shop on University Avenue. And early on in my work, I wanted to have some fun visuals in my presentations. And I found this cleaning the office last weekend, and it fits perfectly with the point I'm going to be talking about in our presentation today around goal setting and uh, um, growing growth nudges. Um, that we're thinking about. And I would have people, I would actually get three volunteers to stand up and hold the sign have and hold the sign do and have the hold, hold the sign be. And the point that I would make with these is that uh, the way we think about goal setting, the way we think about uh, how we define success in our life is we tend to think as soon as I have this certain thing, uh, my college degree, or when I get a good job, or when I when I get married, whenever I have this certain things, then I'll be able to do the kinds of things I need to do. And then I can be happy, satisfied, successful. And what I like about this little have, do, be is that it, it gives you a sense of, okay, this is what I need to work on so that I'll know what to do so that I can be happy. The problem is it puts the being happy, being satisfied, being successful at the end of this chain and it's kind of a theory. We don't really know for sure that having these things, acquiring these things is going to allow us to do what we need to do to be happy. And so we're, we've got this little theory. And then if we are able to have the things and we take the risks, we do the work and it doesn't work out, we don't get to be happy. We don't get to be successful. I find it useful to think about flipping these around a little bit. And instead of starting with um, have, starting with the B. I can be happy right now. I want more. I want lots more. I can identify myself as successful right now based on what I have already done, not what I have yet to do. When we say to ourselves, I can be happy now. I can identify myself as successful. I can be satisfied with what I have. It doesn't mean we don't want anything more. It actually freezes up to do more things, to take more risks, because the risks that we take, if they don't turn out, we might not get to have some of the stuff we wanted, but we get to be happy. We get to be successful. We get to be satisfied. And so a lot of times freeing it up, the pressure is, hey, if the do works out, we get to have a little bit more stuff or we get to accomplish the thing we want to accomplish, but we're not putting this on hold. So 
a question to ponder is how are you have do being when you might need to be be do having? And I'll give you a hint. There's something on the back too. We're going to explore that another time. I have my notes that I started making two months ago when we were working on last month's session that we quickly realized if you joined us for that call, you know, we dived into this content around goal setting, resolution setting, and quickly realized I had created two presentations worth of content. So we ended up after the first one uh, last month, we divided it into mindset tweaks that we covered last month. And what we're going to explore today are skill set tweaks. And I thought about it originally as goal setting, as growth nudging. Some people like resolutions, some people don't. I'm going to encourage us to think broadly as we do that. I'm going to share my screen here for, for a second to show you a slide. Um, I said I'm going to share a screen. And I am going to give you the option here in just a second. I find it really helpful for the, uh, I'm more comfortable if you all are seeing me and I'm seeing you really easily. And I'm not as big a fan of having the slide up here the whole time, but I wanted to show, to give you a peek at where we're headed. And the um, sculpture of the presentation is we're gonna look at these four areas, structure, implementation, motivation, and friction. And again, if you're new to joining us, one of the little ways that I often share content is by putting links in the chat window. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to put this in a link, a JPEG image in a link in the chat window. So if it would be more comfortable for you to have this outline in front of you, you've got it. Um, and I'll also, if especially if we need to, I will put it up at the, um, I will put it up at the end as well. Let me unscrew my sheen again. Oh, it's just so much easier when I see all this. So if you want and you head over the, the chat window and click on that, it'll, it should open in your browser and then you can have it sitting there. And then I can come back to my desktop. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to put this up. Because I noticed last night when I did this, that when I went back to my keynote, it started hiding um, It started hiding you all again. I don't want you hidden. I want to be able to see you. Nudging growth. Four main areas. Let's start with structure. And there's just a couple really useful things for you to think about. Scope, the scope of how you're going to shape your growth nudging. Some people like the idea of, uh, resolutions at the beginning of the year. Some people aren't big goal setters. They like doing a word or a theme for the year or for the month or for the quarter. And there is increasing content, feedback, writing, talking about goal setting being useful and also coming in as problematic in some significant ways in terms of it tending to focus on short terms and focus on um, accomplishing certain things rather than developing habits that are ultimately more useful. 
I am finding it increasingly helpful for my own professional development and personal development to think in terms of habits that I want to start rather than goals I want to achieve. But I also know that goal setting is useful and relevant. Um, and for some people, they, they might like focusing on goals. So if we're doing goals, I say in terms of thinking about scope, I think it's good to use that SMART acronym. Most of us remember specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timed. The idea is to make goals so that it's very clear when you have achieved them so that they are specific and measurable, that they're feasible, that they're relevant, that, that attainable and relevant. A lot of people kind of put those together, that they um, fit in with the larger scheme of things. And many things are going to be better if you've got a deadline, if you've got a time frame that you're trying to do them. Um, something, a couple things I want to mentioned in my notes that I, I discovered one numbers in terms of the size of the goal that you're trying to set or the habits that you're trying to create. I find this really useful. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, talks about this. And I just listened to Brene Brown's two uh, episode podcast arc on both of her podcast interview, James Clear. And he talks about the difference between intensity and consistency. And he says most people, when they go about trying to set goals or develop new habits, they, get, they, they think success is about intensity. I'm going to have this big, hairy, audacious goal, and I'm going to dive in. And he says consistency is far more relevant, is far more helpful to the success of goals. And most of the time, when we get geared up and start, we go too big. And then we find out it's too big, and we get overwhelmed. And we give up. And one of the little numbers games that I found in an article talked about one, three, five. And it's, a, it's the idea of what's the one thing that you most want to do? What are three things that you'd like to get done? What are five things that if you get to them, they would be great? And what was interesting to me, this article talked about one, three, five as something you could do for the day. You could start, if, if you're somebody who starts the day with what do I want to get done today? to start with what's the thing I know I want to get done? What are three things that'd be great to get done? What are five bonus if we get to them? I find it helpful with my one week planning. I now start on Monday. I have a staff meeting every morning with myself that I spend some time. And on Monday, I set for the week. What's the one thing I know I want to get to? What are three things that um, I, 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 it would really be great to get to? And what are five things that if I get to them, it would be fabulous, um, but they're not necessarily essential. Some people also do this. You can, again, it applies. You could think of it as, as your year goals if, or quarter goals if you want. Here's what I found really interesting. I am consistently getting to my one. And I am almost always by Friday checking off all five of the little things. The threes are hit and miss. I'm usually getting at least two of the threes done. Here's what's happening with my fives. I've been pretty good about putting things that are fairly minor on my five list, I don't know if this is a coincidence or not. They've often turned out to be things that are fairly easy to do quick. And when I'm procrastinating, when I'm not feeling the diving into like some of my threes are often reading blocks, spend 30 minutes reading this book. And I'm like, some part of like, no, I'm like, all right, let's knock out a couple fives. So I'm actually finding now that I'm, I'm kind of sneaking myself a little bit and I'm putting some of my higher priorities as fives instead of threes, and I'm getting to them. 
Um, the other thing I want to quickly say about scope, um, well, it's a little bit relating to scope and size, is really fascinating article about what percentage of the change you're, you're wanting to have is new to you. And there is some evidence that said most of the time we're trying to do something new that we haven't done before. And some evidence suggests that if it's 85% familiar, only 15% new, that's a really big sweet spot in terms of people being adding to something to their schedule or um, a goal that they will actually work towards. We tend to really reach out and um, get something new. And almost always, says multiple sources. If you're not getting around to getting a goal worked on that you've set, it's probably too big. You've overwhelmed the system. You've overwhelmed yourself. And it isn't that you don't want it enough. It isn't that you're bad. It isn't that you aren't committed. It isn't that you're lazy. It's that you've bitten off too big of a chunk. And uh, Irene, a woman who's half therapist, half time management consultant that I worked with, um, a couple years ago, still connected to, um, I was telling her, I was trying to work on my daily splashes, getting ahead a little bit. And I, each week was just trying to spend a half hour and do 10 of them, but I kept procrastinating it. She said, that's too many. And I said, no, these, these really don't take that long. She said, Paul, have you gotten to it last three weeks? And I said, no, she says, you're, you're trying to do too many, just put down as your goal to do two or three. And I said, well, I'll never catch up. She says, just do that for a couple of weeks. Every time I sat down to do two or three, I did 10 or 15 because that was a, that was a, a, a more manageable start for me. Um, the size, taking on fewer numbers of things and actually getting to them, starting with small goals. Um, James Clear talked about the guy who lost 100 pounds and kept it off for a decade. First two months, he went to the gym. I can't remember how many days a week, three days a week, five days a week for five minutes only, literally for five minutes. For two months, that was the only time spent at the gym because it was more important to develop a habit of going to the gym than it was what was happening at the gym. You cannot improve a habit that you don't have. So get the habit started and then expand it. I was fascinated by that. The last thing under structure that I think is really important to mention is that it needs to be, um, you want to ask yourself, um, what is the purpose for this? What, um, what is the cost of getting this? What is the benefit of getting this? And the cost-benefit analysis, we do this all the time. We need to think about why do I want this? What, what's, what am I going to get out of this? What is it going to cost me? And we need to make sure upfront that it's worth it, that it is worth the thing that we're giving up. And this is where last night we got into a really interesting conversation um, about tomorrow you and today you. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. But one of the, one of the common benefits, the cost is to, to today you. You have to stop doing something that you like doing, start doing something that maybe today you isn't as excited about so that it can help tomorrow you. And we're going to talk a little bit more here when we move on down. Um, about how to work on that relationship between today you and tomorrow you. But let's move over to um, implementation. Just a couple quick things. Visual tracking of goals. I thought this was going to be relevant for people who are primarily visual people. 
turns out the research said by and far all of us if we have a chart if we have a piece of paper we're marking it down it seems to help us in two ways it reminds us and it encourages us the seinfeld you may have heard of the seinfeld method the red x's he I don't even know uh, if this is a true story or not, but supposedly he used to tell comics that he had this habit. He wanted to write jokes every day and he got a calendar out. And every time he, he worked on jokes that day, he would put a big red X on his calendar. And what happened is once he had a string going of four or five, it was very compelling to want to, to, to not break the chain. And I can tell you that for my Calm app, I'm up to 255 days in a row of meditation. And I'm telling you, it, it, I get to meditation within the first hour I'm awake. And sometimes it's because I know how good it's going to feel and how good it's going to help me feel afterwards. And that it's building a skill that I'm really excited I'm developing. But even if it's just because I don't want to break the chain, it gets me in the seat. Um, regularity. If you can frame your habit or your goal in something that you're doing every day versus every week, um, it you're more likely to, to build sustainable. So if it is something that's more like you're going to, to the gym a few times a week, or you're working on a project that's not necessarily something that has a daily aspect, if you can build some type of something that you're tending to it, maybe even if it's a review it, take a peek at it, get ready for it, that you're more likely to create um, consistency by having it do uh, daily. And then the third piece under implementation is reviewing it regularly, not evaluate at the end of the time period or the, the, the month, but on some kind of regular basis saying, how is this going? Celebrate the wins. How do we figure, you know, how do we figure out the, the, the troubles that we're having? How can we repair? How can we prevent some of those from coming from? Then we want to jump over to motivation because the stronger our motivation for doing something, the more likely we're gonna stick with it. Three things, knowing your why. This is a very big thing. I hear Simon Sinek in my ears talking about the importance of knowing your why, your mission and your work, your mission in your life. And one of the things that you might notice if you start being honest with yourself, why is it I want this? Sometimes we find it's because we think we're supposed to want it. Society says we're supposed to want it. My family says I'm supposed to want it. My, my profession, my boss, um, the, a younger part of me daydreamed about it. So it must be something that I really want. And we can maybe find out at this stage of knowing your why that it actually isn't something that we're committed to. And it might be time to set it aside. The bigger our why, the more compelling. If you're wanting to look good, um, in a certain outfit or the swimsuit for the summer, that's going to get you a certain amount of discipline to eat a certain way, exercise or whatever, if that happens to be your goal. If your goal is something about health, if it's something about, hey, I want to um, be able to be active so that I can really enjoy the next couple of years, you're going to expand the, I think, um, the depth of your why, and it's going to be larger. If you're doing something to get a raise, uh, that's, that's going to work to a certain extent. If you're doing something to become more competent, to, to become wiser, to become more employable, 
to this and future supervisors, you're going to enlarge your why a little bit, and it's going to be more compelling to you. The second thing, making it easier to do and harder to skip. So having, you know, putting out healthier foods in places where you see them, maybe putting in a lower th the, the things that tempt you. If the phone is the distraction when you're trying to work, um, um, James Clear, Atomic Habits guy, he was talking about he puts his phone in another room for 45 minutes when he's really doing deep work and he sets the timer. And that's just far enough away that he's not tempted by it. And uh, I was very intrigued by that idea because it is true that I can, I can open up a Candy Crush pretty quickly, not when it's in the other room. And um, anything that can make it easier to do, to just get started. I tell myself when I wake up, I don't have to go for a morning walk if I don't want to, but I gotta put my clothes on. I gotta get the outfit that I'm going to walk in. Because then when I have the smallest urge, hey, I'll feel better if I do this walk. I know it's 14 degrees, it'll be, you know, but I know I'll feel better. I don't have to put on my clothes while I have second thoughts. I can be out the door. Um, so anything you can do to set yourself up. And then thirdly is this term that I sort of invented when I was looking at all these things I wanted to tell you. And it was called fortifying your support. How do you strengthen that your support? And I came up, there was this collection of ideas that came in my head and that I was reading in various articles. Having visuals that encourage you, putting up quotes, using music if it's relevant while you're doing something, any listening to podcasts if that's something you like, while you're doing a chore, while you're doing something that doesn't excite you. The second type of fortifying your support involves accountability partners. And we had a great tangent discussion last night about... Um, Obliger, I'm forgetting her name. Is it Gretchen Rubin um, that does the, the four, the time management stuff? Yes. Oh, good. Thank you, Becky. Yay. Um, that uh, she talks about this interesting, she has four little labels for people, depending on whether they feel accountability to other people and whether they feel accountability to themselves. And it creates this little quadrant and identifying um, which you are more likely to use. If somebody knows, uh, if somebody can throw a link in there to the, there's a great quiz that takes just a, a couple, uh, it's like 20, 30 questions and you can find out what you are and it can help if, if, if for people who, cause I'm an obliger. So if I make a commitment with Becky to go for a walk, I'm not going to skip out. If I make a commitment to me that I'm going to walk, I might come up with excuses. I did that with this morning with Abby, my neighbor. She wanted to walk at nine o'clock. It was so easy to know I was going to walk this morning and I wasn't going to skip. And um, it can be something that somebody's doing something with you or just, hey, I'm going to I'm going to touch base with you and let you know that I did it. And um, I've even gone as far as suggesting to people that you give somebody money and say, if I don't come back with you to you with evidence in one week that I've started working on my resume, I want you to take that money and I want you to give it to the nonprofit that is on the other side of the beliefs that I hold. And they say that having this like, ooh, not, not like just go get yourself a cup of coffee because you can say, oh, well, that's nice, my friend. I'm just, or I'm going to give this to charity because then you'd be like, oh, I'm doing something good. No, you want to give it to them. <gasps> ah. So there was a third fortifying your support. What was it? Oh, possibly reaching out to or reading about role models, uh, working with a mentor or a coach, somebody that can actually 
hold your hand, cheerlead, coach you, and encourage you. And if this is a big change, it might be worth investing some time and maybe even money in actually having somebody who's good at the thing you're trying to do or who's good at helping people get done what they want to get done. Friction is the fourth piece. And again, this sort of, this word didn't exactly come up in the data, but when I was looking at things I wanted to talk about, it's the things that keep you from accomplishing what you want to accomplish. And the big three things I want to leave you about the fact that friction is the first one is anticipate resistance. You are going to procrastinate. You are going to not be able to do some things that you made a commitment to yourself to do. And I think it is so useful to anticipate it. And then the second piece is identify it when it's happening without judgment. It's the same thing when those of us who are meditators, we over and over, no matter who the teacher is, they say, if your mind wanders, notice it and come back to the breath, come back to your mantra without judging. I wish they wouldn't use the word if because it happens all the time. I wish they would say when, when your mind wanders, notice without judgment and come back. When you find yourself, this has helped me just since I developed this content. I realize I've been using time blocking very successful in certain ways, and there's some time blocks I'm not getting to. And because of Irene's comment about 10, obviously, Paul, it's just too big. Instead of judging, why am I not working on this book that I say I'm really excited about reading? Who knows? Notice that it's happening and then sit down and say, is there something about this that it's appealing? Have I told myself I have to? Is there a way that I can get over this, um, work through it? There's my little timer. I don't know if you can hear it or not, um, but my timer is done. That means I have to work towards closure. Uh, but a big piece of why we procrastinate is that some, we've identified something as it's uncomfortable. It's new, it's different, it's something that's good for us. And discomfort is required for growth. And one of the things that is true many times is the discomfort that we're asking today us to tolerate is not an hour. It's not the whole time we're working on something. It's the start. Getting in the water to swim is cold at first for most of us, most of the time at first. And for most of the time when we get in the water and once we get going, the water is fine. That doesn't stop us from standing on the edge and going, it's going to be cold. And to be able to say to today us, yes, it's going to be cold. Remember for a moment. And this is a great opportunity to practice tolerating discomfort for a little bit, because my wise friend, Paul always says discomfort is required for growth. We can't remain comfortable and grow into the best possible version of who we are. And so Instead of running away from discomfort, we can have a conversation and saying, hey, today me, if we've decided this is a good thing, let's spend a minute thinking about the benefits to maybe it's tomorrow us, but it also might be two hours from now us. It might be many of us, once we've done our thing that we're trying to do, many of us feel better just because we did it. Check, check. Look at me. I'm successful. A lot of times when we get on the other side of it, it's not nearly as uncomfortable as we told ourselves it was going to be. Um, 
Christine, thank you so much for putting uh, Gretchen Rubin's quiz um, there, the website. And before I wrap up our time, and please know that I'm going to attempt to stop the recording and not end our call. I'm going to stop the recording and then people can leave as they need. Last night I did that. It was very embarrassing. There's a couple of things that I'm going to invite us um, to explore for next month. March 4th, we decided we're going to march forth and we are going to spend March if we want to working on some habits, some goals, some vision, some mission. And I'm going to invite you to play with some of what we've been exploring. And we're going to check in halfway through March at our usual um, time for, for these calls. I'm going to share some upbeat content, but then I'm going to find out how are you making progress? And I found a collection. Oop, that's the wrong link. I found a, some goal setting worksheets that I think eventually we're going to create one for us. But what I found intriguing was if you click on this link, it'll take you to a Dropbox folder I set up and there's four different kinds. And some of them are very, and you should be able to download these really easy. But if you click on the links, you can go to them just to look at them. And some of them are colorful and not a whole lot on the page. Some of them have lots of information and they're good, but for some people it'll be overwhelming. And it's a variety of ways to try to plan out a goal or your week. And I'm going to invite you to take a peek and see if one or more of those intrigues you. And if you're listening to this, or if you're watching the replay, my goal will be to put links at wherever you heard this. So the podcast links should have the links that I'm sharing as well as the, the slides. Um, and then one of our awesome um, peeps that's been joining us a lot, Beth, she told me about Clever Fox, which is an organizing system that she has gotten into using the last few months. And the buy-in, I think she said it was like 40 or $50 to buy the initial set of stuff. And it's something that you can use as a weekly planner or a monthly planner. And, it, and it's a little bit more in-depth. I haven't used it myself. Her success in terms of, she said it took her a couple of weeks of looking at it, getting into it, but it's really asking some good broad questions and helping her set up her day and her week. That is what I wanted to share with you as we think about skill sets. And what I'm going to do as we wrap up our video, um, a recording and the presentation is to ask you, are there some things that you would like to start doing or maybe replace with some different things that, that things you wish you weren't doing as much that might help you be more effective in your work or life or enjoy your work and or life a little bit more? And I'm going to start off with a little bit of structure to offer us. I'll send out next week how we start March. But mostly I want us to just take a stab at starting however we'd like to start. And then we'll meet up in March and say, where do you need help? Where do you need support? And my theory is that together we're going to be able to create some systems that by the end of the year, we're going to crank out some new habits. We're going to be able to accomplish goals if we want. To honor our 30 minutes, I'm going to conclude the recording here. So if you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. I'm going to hit more. I'm going to hit stop recording. 